The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Hey, it's the end of the new year, and it's In Tune you're listening to with Arnold Stricker and Ellie Wharton. In Tune's a two-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connects our community and the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. Today we uh, are going to do a little tribute to Michael Castro, the poet, first poet laureate of St. Oh, Louis, Louis, who passed away recently. And then we're going to talk about some uh, top news items nationally and locally and do some history helps. I, I called it history highlights. I like history helps because this is like a little help for you, but history also helps you understand how you're living today. It, it really does. And, and what is the saying? The saying says that if you uh, fail to what does that say? Read history. Read history, or you, that you're doomed to repeat it. That's correct. And boy, aren't we seeing that today as we look at our circumstances nationally? People are up in arms about what they see happening, but this has happened before. Has happened before, and uh, history is a great thing. It, it combines uh, literature, it combines mathematics, it combines science, because you get an understanding of why things happened, when they happened and for what reason they happen. Yes, and as we look at our economics, and so many of the predictors really are pointing us back to a time when we really had economic downfall in this country, and we're seeing the same signs again, and everybody's kind of like looking like they don't know what to do. Well, look what is happening. How is this going? You know, like, well, folks, <laughs> look at the past. Yeah, been down this road before. Been down this road before. And they just want to act like it's... um. The first time. Well, it's not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Could you call Washington and tell them that, please? I'll, I'll pick up the phone after the show, and, uh, and or maybe during the show. And, yeah, and during the show. Let's see if we can find somebody who might be sitting around the White House uh, feeling lonely. They'd probably get a uh, recording. <laughs> That's right, because nobody's working, right? No, Nobody's there. Uh, so Michael Castro, born in uh, 1945 in New York City. He got a delight for the language when he was in elementary school, which a lot of elementary kids hate poetry. Uh, he ended up uh, becoming a graduate student in his early 20s and became a professor at University of Missouri-St. Louis in Lindenwood, was a founding poet of River Styx, published several poetry books. He said poetry is often an art that involves discovery. You don't always know what the next phrase is going to be or how the next line is going to be resolved. And poetry can be inspirational for younger people, especially in terms of self-worth. Worth. And what he did was he really did build a, built a lot of bridges between poets because there's different kind of groups of poets. There's kind of the traditional group, and then there's those that don't necessarily have to rhyme. Or And, and you had a distinction between actually black poetry and street poetry and more, quote-unquote, refined poetry. And he really did a lot to right. bridge and, that. And then don't forget just spoken word. Spoken word, right, was was very, very big. Uh, N.K. Stallings, who we've had on the show, uh, uh, talked about him and said he was teaching poetry in the university level, but he was also living it in the streets. It was so wonderful that um, our good friend Chris Mullen, who is the host of Studio 111, uh, was a good friend of his and introduced me to Michael uh, and to his lovely wife, Adelia. 
when we even before we started the radio station on air and he was one of my very first interviews wow yeah he was fantastic we went to his home over in U city and just spent several hours with him and it was a wonderful event and i was just always grateful to chris mullen for being able to share that with me well and we happen to have chris on to express a few uh, uh sentiments about michael and uh, their uh, friendship how you doing chris Hi, I'm fine, Arnold. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Chris. What uh, what stands out for you in in your friendship with uh, Michael Castro as, as something that you will always remember? I think that he was the consummate word warrior. Um, I met him, I think the whole group of us who met were in our 20s at the time, and he was already assisting other people in finding a voice through poetry. Um, But he was also into music and dance and all of the other arts, and he found a way to express that through his words, and he helped many other people express. Do you have a favorite poem or book that he wrote? I think all of his books are great. He just recently published a new one, but I think that what will live on forever in addition to those books are the creation of the anthologies, the River Sticks books. Those expose not only regional artists to regional poets, but he was able to gather poets from all over the world. I don't think that would have been possible without the strength and the vision of Michael. Um, There are poets who I never would have been introduced to, and Michael created a community. Even as a teacher at Lindenwood, he exposed poets to poets. (laughs) And that's a rare thing. That is a very rare thing. Why Why do you think that is? Because he saw the world as one, maybe. I don't know, but I will say that he saw words as liberating, educating, uplifting, He also saw that the introspection that it takes to create a poem was so freeing to the poet, even if the person exposed to that particular poem had questions about it, that open dialogue. I found him to be a really easy person to interview. Yeah. Um, You know, I didn't find him to be, you know, and we know that that artists can be very eccentric, you know, and he was not that at all. I mean, maybe he was, you know, in his own way. But when we were there at his home, I felt like I had been in his home, you know, dozens of times, and it was the first time that I had been there. Sure. I think one of the things that Michael gave that is very difficult for a lot of a lot of artists to give is time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because we hoard our time so much. But 
you could call him and say, hey, I'm having a problem with this line. And he would help guide you to figure out what it is you want to say, not what he wants you to say. And that's, again, a rarity. Yeah, because he didn't want to claim uh, any fame to somebody else's work. But as I've been reading about him, he was very instrumental in, and as you stated, Chris, in really giving of himself and helping other peoples discover their own voice, their own words, and, and how to put them down, and bridging a lot of gaps, uh, not only locally, but nationally and internationally. Absolutely. Uh, about two weeks ago, Saturday, Michael attended an event for Shirley LaFleur, the new poet laureate of our area. And I was struck by that event in that there were three poet laureates in the room, poets laureate in the room, Michael, Shirley LaFleur, and Eugene Redman. And there was a lovely photograph taken of the three of them. For a lot of people, if you meet one poet laureate in your life, that's amazing that three were in this room together and were all friends was brilliant. I bet that was a, a really exceptional moment. Very much so. Very much yeah, so. Because, you know, you always hear about, well, there's a little competition between musicians and uh, actors and actresses and writers, but th- that is very unusual. I, but I think that really spoke to the, the universality of Michael and that, as Chris said, he was inclusive. He saw poetry as a way to, you know, pretty much bridge the divide. Absolutely. Um, and as a matter I, of fact, he even yeah. edited a book titled Crossing the Divide. Right, right. And he always, always included new voices, young people, in his education process, in his readings, and setting up readings for young people. He would show up at the readings. He made sure that they shared the spotlight. That was great because setting up a reading can be very uh, nerve-wracking because you're always wondering, first of all, is anyone going to show up? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nothing like reading to yourself. That. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's always a point of, ooh. But Michael, I think, was really good at helping to calm those fears. And, you know, as we always say, even if only one person showed up, that was the person you're supposed to be speaking to. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Well, Chris, we really appreciate you taking time uh, out of your schedule to uh, – talk about Michael Castro and uh, your friendship with him and what he's meant to you and to our, our St. Louis area. We appreciate the time today, Chris. Thank you very much. America, We Need to Talk. It's a celebration of works by three poets, Maya Angelou, Langston Hughes, and Michael Castro. Wow. Now and, that's big. And, and here's that poem, We Need to Talk. I am more than your idea. I am tangible, touchable. A human being like you. We breathe the same air, want the same things. We need to talk. I am more than my skin tone, more than the weight I bear, more than the clothes I wear, more even than my hair, more than who I sexually prefer, more than my accented speech. Hear me. We need to talk. So get out of your closed mind. It's claustrophobic in there. Thoughts fester if they can't expand. Let's meet. Get out of your car, onto the street. 
Let's discover each other on common ground. We need to talk. I say, take off your armor. Put away your gun. Don't just stare dumbly into your smartphone. Hello? Or as they say in the East, namaste and savati. The God in you honors the God in me. We need to talk. And that really represents his attitude. You know, because we need to talk is a very direct statement, you know, somewhat almost a confrontational statement without being confrontational, you know, without making someone feel threatened. But he's very right in that, you know, we as people go beyond the things that too often we as people judge others by their skin color, what part of town they lived in here in St. Louis. What high school did you go to? Yeah. (laughs) All those things that tend to divide really bring us all together.